0: Hey everyone, this is Season 2 of From the Pulpit, a series of podcasts based on the Sunday morning sermons at Liberty Church. My name's Pastor Matthew Moss, and I'm thrilled that you decided to join me for this installment of From the Pulpit. Can we talk? We started a new preaching series at Liberty Church two weeks ago. The series is called Relentless Reformation. And the title comes from our definition of revival, which is a radical return to the standard of Scripture And a relentless reformation of our attitudes and actions to conform to the standard. You see, at Liberty Church, we're pursuing revival because we believe that it's revival or bust, it's revival or complete failure. The church needs revival, the world needs the church to be in revival. Because the world has lost its way. And our purpose statement at Liberty Church is to pursue revival and to bring revival to Bowmanville and beyond. And so we started this preaching series called Relentless Reformation. And it has to do with the spiritual disciplines and the spiritual gifts. We're taking nine weeks to talk about the nine spiritual disciplines. And then we're gonna take two weeks to talk about the spiritual gifts and we believe that it's important to be disciplined in our use of the spiritual gifts if not we end up like the corinthian church the messed up church they loved to practice the spiritual gifts but they had no spiritual discipline and so they were out of order well we want to be in order and we want to use the gifts for the purpose. We want to use the gifts for their intended purpose. And so we, want to, we really want to dial in on our understanding of and practice of the spiritual disciplines. And the first spiritual discipline I talked about was the spiritual discipline of Bible reading, Bible memorization, and Bible study. And I felt it was important that we start there because if we don't all agree that the Bible is the standard, then the rest of this uh, series is pointless. And so the Bible is the standard. It's the standard that we're returning to radically. And it's the standard that we are relentlessly reforming and conforming our lives to. Because we believe that the standard is the testimony of Jesus. And the New Testament tells us that God is conforming us to the image of His Son by the renewing of our mind through the Word of God. And so it's important that we read that book, and memorize that book, and study that book. In that sermon, which you can listen to on our Rumble channel... And we'll put a link in the show notes. In that sermon, I said that true believers read the book, true believers memorize the book, and true believers study the book. I said, if you don't want to read the book, if you don't want to memorize the book, if you don't want to study it, then you can't call yourself a Christian. You might be able to call yourself a churchian. You might be able to call yourself a therapeutic deist. Someone who just uses the concept of God and Jesus and church to, to um, in a therapeutic way. But you can't call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. You can't follow Jesus if you don't know what the book says, if you don't memorize what the book says, and if you don't study what the book says, if you don't mine the book for its deeper meaning, its deeper implications and applications to our lives. One of those implications that I'd like to take a few moments to talk about today is the idea that all the apostles taught that every believer, every true believer, every Christian should see to it, should discipline themselves, should make sure that no one leads them astray from the standard of teaching contained within the scriptures. Acts 242 says that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. The apostles taught what was in the scriptures and what they taught became the scriptures became the new testament. The Theonustos, the exhale of God. But the apostles weren't making up their own ideas. They weren't making it up as they went. They were receiving direct revelation from the Holy Spirit. And through inspiration, they wrote down the exhale, the theonoustos of God. I'm getting that word from 2 Timothy 3.16, where Paul says that all scripture is God-breathed, And inspired, that word God breathed means God exhaled. And it's the Greek word theonoustos. When you use that word in a conversation, it makes you sound really smart. And so that's why I use it. But it really just means God's exhale. So all the scriptures, the Old Testament, the New Testament, they are God's exhale, they are God's word. And uh, Paul said to Timothy that these words are profitable to everyone for training in righteousness, for instruction, for reproof, for rebuke. The apostles taught that every believer should see to it that no one leads them astray from the standard of teaching contained within the Scripture. Because within the pages of the Holy Book, we find instruction for righteous living. We find reproof and rebuke. We find that which we need to give us hope. Uh, Paul said elsewhere that the things that were written down were written down for our instruction that through perseverance... And through uh, the reading of and belief in what the Bible says, we might have hope. And so this book is important, and there has been um, a campaign as of late to diminish the book's importance, to diminish the book's authority. And that, of course, is a tactic of the enemy. And he's been using that tactic since the Garden of Eden. What did he say to to Eve when he was tempting her with sin? He said to her, Did God really say? Did God really say that? Is that what he said? He called into question the authority of God's word. And Satan is still using that same tactic today on certain issues, on the homosexual issue, on the transgender issue, on the abortion issue, uh, on any number of, of cultural issues that we call political issues, but they are not political issues. They are spiritual issues and cultural issues. They're human issues. But what does the Bible say on those issues? Well, the Bible is very clear. But in recent decades, the authority of the Bible has been called into question. People have been saying... Did God really say that two men who love each other shouldn't express that love with sexual activity? Or that two women who love each other shouldn't get married? I mean, isn't love love? And so what happens is we go on and we make our own definitions of love and marriage. And we redefine things that God has clearly defined in Scripture. We call into question the authority of the book. And we make our own doctrine. And we build our lives on what we have come up with what we say and what we say is shifting sand what we say changes from day to day week to week month to month what we say changes with the with the tides of culture but God's word stays the same it's immutable it doesn't change it's the same yesterday today and forever because its author god almighty is the same yesterday today and forever he doesn't change his word doesn't change what he says about these issues doesn't change naturally we don't like it that's okay we don't have to like it But if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have to reform your attitudes and actions to conform to the standard of Scripture. So if you don't like what the Bible has to say about homosexuality, or if you don't like what the Bible has to say about gender, or if you don't like what the Bible has to say about a baby's right to life, then you either have to change what you believe to conform to the standard of scripture or you have to stop calling yourself a Christian. I'm not saying that you can't struggle with these ideas. I'm not saying that you can't wrestle or grapple with your understanding of these ideas. But on these issues and many others, the Bible is clear And it's not really up for debate. I mean, God is patient and gracious. He's willing to work with us and teach us and train us. But if we are unteachable, if we dig our heels in and we say, God, I will not change my mind on this issue. Well, then we are in direct opposition with God. I don't know about you, but I don't like the idea of being in opposition with the God of the universe who spoke the world into existence, who is all powerful, all knowing, and everywhere at once. I don't like the idea of being in opposition to him, and so I, the creature am going to transform, reform, conform my attitudes and actions to the standard of Scripture so that I do not live in opposition with God. I don't don't question the authority of His Word. I used to. Trust me, I used to. Because I didn't like what it said. I didn't like what it said about certain things. I didn't like what it said about certain people. But I had to come to the conclusion, either God is right or he's wrong. If God is wrong on this issue and I'm right, then I'm God and I can promise you If I'm God, I'm not a very good one. I'm not a very consistent one. And so the God that is revealed in the Holy Bible in both the Old and New Testament is the God that I love, the God that I serve, the God whose word I want to conform my life to. And I want to see to it that I'm not led astray by every wind of doctrine. I want to see to it that I'm not led astray from the, from the teachings of Scripture. And so how could I possibly do that if I don't read it, memorize it, and study it? Well, the answer is I can't. I can't see to it. I can't make sure that I'm not led astray from the teachings of scripture if I don't read it, memorize it, or study it. If I don't read it, memorize it, or study it, I am going to be deceived by Satan who's been using the same tactic for thousands of years. Did God really say? Did God really Say, You know, what's interesting is that Eve could have said, yes, God did say that. I don't understand why he said it. I don't like that he said it, but he said it and he's God. And so I'm going to obey it. I'm going to live according to what he said. You see how easy it would have been? And she ate the fruit and then she brought it to her husband, Adam. And Adam could have said, Eve, what did you do? God said not to eat of the fruit. But Adam was a pushover and he took the fruit from his wife and he ate it and then all of a sudden they realized there's consequences for not obeying God's word there's consequences for not living according to God's word as soon as they ate the fruit the bible says that they realized their nakedness and they tried to cover their shame and I think that's what happens whenever we um, we disobey God and His Word. We eventually realize that what we thought was so good and so equitable and so inclusive was actually so damaging and so painful and so traumatic and sometimes so irreversible without drastic intervention. I mean, Adam and Eve took a bite of fruit Didn't seem like much. But in order to reverse the consequences, God had to send his son to the world to be the propitiation for our sin, to be the satisfaction of God's wrath for us and to die in our place. An amazing price was paid so that we could be free from the consequences of disobeying God's word. Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh, suffered and died so that we could be set free from the consequences of sin the penalty of sin, which is death. Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to die. Now, this this body that we live in will die one day, but our our spirit will live on with God in heaven forever. And one day, in the not-too-distant future, I believe, The Bible says that we'll be reunited with that that body that was buried in the ground like a seed, a corrupted seed. But when uh, it's raised, it will be raised incorruptible. The same kind of body that Jesus walked out of that tomb in is the same kind of body that we will have one day and for eternity. God is going to reverse the consequences of sin that came into the world through the disobedience of His Word. And in the meantime, us who call ourselves Christians should see to it that we are not led astray from the standard of teaching found in the scriptures we should see to it that we are bible reading bible memorizing and bible studying christians paul called the the word of god the sword of the spirit The only weapon we have to fight in this world is the Bible, the Word of God. It's the only effective weapon against every stronghold and lofty idea that raises itself against the knowledge of God. You can't pick up a gun or drop a bomb or fire a missile to tear down the strongholds and the lofty ideas that raise themselves against the knowledge of God. It won't work. It's been tried in the past, and it's failed miserably. The only weapon that you can pick up against those things is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God contained within the pages of the Holy Bible, And with that, you are able to fight. With that, you are able to overcome. So thanks for listening to this installment of From the Pulpit, a series of podcasts based on the Sunday morning sermons at Liberty Church. To watch our sermons, find us on Rumble by searching Revival Studios. And until next time, Titus 2.13.